Hear That Podcast, Growlin' Paul Eater Jr., Jake Morrison of The Athletic. Happy to be here with you on a beautiful Tuesday. Jay, how are you doing? How's the how's the tan? Uh, the, the tan's not so great. Um, it, it was a real short trip. We, were, we, we left on Wednesday afternoon, so we got down to Norris Lake Wednesday evening, and then we had all day there Thursday and Friday, but I've... I have not been uh, my normal outside self, so there was there was not a lot of shirt taking off. Um, there was a lot of boat time, but I, it was mostly a burn. <laughs> I'm a I'm, I'm I love it. Your normal outside self is just shirtless. Well, yeah, I live in Hamilton, and a lot of times this time of year <laughs> we work from home, and I, a lot of times I would sit out on my back deck and, and work outside. Um, and just take the shirt off and work on the tan, but I don't know, getting older, getting a little more worried about, you know, skincare, that type of stuff. And, uh, just kind of taking it easy this year and really kind of counting down the days we, we got back from this. This was a short little three day vacation that the big one's coming up, um, in about three weeks when we head down to Tybee Island, Georgia, that's, that's the one I'm counting down toward. I just have a vision of of you sitting shirtless in your house right now doing this podcast. And that's a problem. I have on a shirt. I do not have on shoes. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. And you went to the home of Joe Burrow. I did sort of. the town, the town, unless yeah. you actually went to his home and knocked on the door. I thought about it, but I did not. Um, yeah, I was, uh, moved my son in at OU. Uh, he's not taking summer classes, but he, he got a job as a camp counselor in New Hampshire and, um, unbelievably they are going to go ahead and have overnight week long camps in New Hampshire. So he's, he's their baseball director for the, for the kids up there. And, uh, so we got him all moved to his house on mill street, which ironically is the same house you lived in at OU. it is that is really insane. Technically, it's not the same house I lived in. He lived in the crack house behind. He's living in the crack house that is behind um, our terrible, awful, very cracky house. Yeah, but it's it's this is a, a fraternity annex house. So he has like nine fraternity brothers in the front house, and then there's three of them in in the back house, and uh, so they they kind of view it all as one one unit. So it's uh it's nice it's it it's been all been remodeled. That's, it's not nice. It for a for a student rental, it's pretty nice. <laughs> They've got a nice balcony. It's not nice. A, it's a not lot nice. of those. Yeah, I'm of, glad that you've told yourself this. <laughs> a lot of those houses oh, yeah. on Mill nice Street. balcony. How about this? How about that balcony? How about one day? One day on a beautiful spring day, I was just trying to walk across the street to go say hi to a neighbor and a giant like wooden couch like a huge couch just came falling from the sky above off that beautiful balcony and nearly landed on me <laughs> that's the type of things that happens at that place jay your son's not safe <laughs> was Millfest a thing <laughs> when you were there Millfest started when i was there okay yeah he's he's looking- very very proud to say we were there for the first Millfest. but i look i we are not here to regale <laughs> with stories of couches falling from the sky and back crack houses that your son lives in now. We're we're here to talk about the Bengals. But that those stories that I have are far more interesting than anything that's happening with the Bengals right now. The Bengals are fa- for the first time in a long time fairly dull. The whole league as far is. as news goes. Yeah, I mean the whole league is. We're if if we were in a normal time of year, this week, these days would be I don't know if it would have been last week or this week where they wrap up their mini camp. Yeah, it would have been last. Be in, 
Depends. Teams would have had the option probably of either. Regardless, would have just wrapped or be wrapping their three-day mini camp and heading off to the dead period until training camp starts. Instead, you know, we're at this point where these virtual meetings are going on. You know, they have two hours a day, four days a week. They're in Zoom meetings. They're trying to keep these guys interested, but there's just not really a lot. When you're not doing any live reps, there's, there's not really a lot you can do, and, and they're not doing that right now. So they wait, and you know, there's some wondering of what, the, what it's going to look like. You know, the John Harbaugh called it not humanly possible to pull off the procedures. It's it's really interesting. And this is we've got some other stuff we can get to. We can touch on Ring of Honor, which we weren't really able to get to last week that I wrote about with some scoopy stuff. Um, and a few of your mailbag questions we'll jump into, too. But this is kind of a good chance to talk about this is the idea of taking the sport of football and trying to play it around this virus is it is humanly impossible i mean you're going to you have 22 guys all on top of each other pushing on each other tackling each other breathing on each other everything for all these plays plus whatever you're doing during practice i mean the the idea that whatever is in that in those locker rooms isn't going to get around no matter, it doesn't matter what you do anywhere else. You know, it's you're just if you're interested in playing football and you're the NFL and you're the PA, you got you're just coming to terms with that risk that like this game is a is how you would spread a virus. If you were like, how do we spread this virus the best amongst these people? You would just play football. You know, it's what it is. It is. And th- I mean, it seems like this whole thing from charging ahead with keeping the the uh, the start of the league new the new league, league year the same, from keeping the draft the same, like the, the, everything has been pointed toward hoping there's a virus or not a virus a, a vaccine by the time they get going, and and it's just science will tell you that is that is pie in the sky that it, it takes a no, long time to get a vaccine for for a new virus, and it's just. I mean, the we'll really know once once the NBA gets going and, and the NHL and and some of these other sports, you know, with like NASCAR letting thirty thousand fans in. That's that's uh, sounds like a lot, but on those tracks are huge. They can they can keep them spaced out. Allegedly, you can't really once they're in there. It's it's hard to control people from congregating at the start finish line and that sort of thing. But this they're going to be the guinea pigs, and if if there's any kind of relapse or incident, I just – it seems to me that the NFL would be wise to to go ahead and, and back up the season, but they're they're dead set against doing that. And even backing it up, there's no guarantee that they're going to be able to, to actually – Well, yeah, I mean, how far are you going to back it up? I mean, what's the difference? Yeah, At a certain month. point, what is the difference between starting in September and starting in October realistically? I mean, you have more time – to gauge numbers and see what's happening with a potential spike in the fall or whatever, or, or what, you know, whatever's happening now there's, there, I, there's a little bit, but I mean, for the most part, you're going to be taking on exceptional risk whenever you start. So it's just a matter of just doing it whenever you can. So I, you know, I, it is just a sort of that, the manifesto of how this could possibly happen really, I think is an awakening for a lot of people of how hard 
this is going to be. But look, you just you're testing three times a week. You're trying to do tracing of who everybody is and quarantine those that show up. But you just got to understand this year is going to be this year is going to be unorthodox. You better have some depth. Uh, you, you should consider putting your quarterback in a bubble uh, <laughs> because you know you you may you may you may want to make sure that Ryan Finley can play uh because all these things are going to come into play this year more than more than ever that's for sure it's going to be it's it's there's just no way around it and that's i think everybody needs to start coming more to terms with that if you haven't already as much as you want it to look as close to normal as possible it's just it's impossible it is impossible it is humanly impossible and harbaugh's right about that um let's uh Let's talk a little bit about Ring of Honor, which came up last week. And we, we of course, I hope people enjoyed our look back at the last Bengals playoff win in that season, that time with the the dueling, the dueling podcast from last week, where we had uh, myself, Jay, and Mo uh, breaking down that game in the creepy white van. I've not gotten more answers on the <laughs> creepy white van. I think it was the band, the band van, the band van. You can't fit the whole a whole band in there. You can fit like eight people. And it wasn't a huge there band. Is, there is so much space behind the benches. <laughs> like there is so much space behind the benches. They chose to park it in the corner of the end zone, where Boomer can run into the grill. Ridiculous. I need. I still looking for answers on that creepy white band. Shout out Bengals UK, who did a rewatch of that game. As part of their Sunday rewatch series, they've been doing pretty cool. So anybody that anybody that uh, maybe listened to the podcast, watched along, and uh, maybe they have some answers about the creepy white van. I still am looking for those, but I hope you enjoyed that. And then the uh, we we of course had the full player interviews about that time that season uh, with Anthony Munoz, James Brooks, uh, Max Montoya, and. Who I leave in Samuel Wilcots. And uh as a part of my conversation with Max Montoya, it was Monday. I talked to him on Monday, and we were lamenting he was a teammate of Ken Riley. And I was just lamenting his passing and, and how sad it was. And how mad it made me that he never got his moment. And you know, now this is where, this is almost a week old now. This conversation that we had and what I wrote, but uh, he brought up we had really good conversation about that about how you know it would be really cool if they did if they started doing a Ring of Honor or something you know bringing up this old topic before he he literally said that but you know before we all die you know and it's just this Ken Riley thing really hit home on that and. The good news from a from the side of people that want to see a Ring of Honor is, I do think this hit home. I do think this had an impact at Paul Brown Stadium, and it did stir up conversations about this. And i I wouldn't go as far as to call it maybe renewed hope. Would be as strong as I would go. There's just parts of this that have never that have not sat well at at PBS, and I mean 
Otherwise, it, there's a reason every other team in the league does it. You know, Jay? I mean, every team in the league does this for a reason. It's easy. It's a win-win. It's great for everybody. It's great for everybody. That's all there is to it. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it really it makes no sense not to do it. The, the fans want it. They've made that clear in our survey. They've made that clear long before our survey. And you, it, it would seem, because it has taken so long, that for this to – to come to fruition what's well, not even it hasn't come to fruition yet but but it's taken so long for them to do this that you have to feel the hold up is, is mike and why if you're going to do a ring of honor why, don't, why not just start on the the west side of the stadium so he doesn't have to see it from his box <laughs> 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 and then you know by the time you work your way around to the other side i don't know it's just it, it really i it is kind of dumbfounding and and hopefully you know, as you wrote, it, it's a shame that it that it took Ken's passing to to kind of nudge the conversation forward on this. Um, it, it just it, it it's it's not even an expensive thing. It, money shouldn't be any factor in this whatsoever. So, I I know it, the Bengals have done such a great job of of trying to reamp up their or amp up their their social media presence and, and all these other things. The, even going back to the 50 year celebration, putting in, putting some honor and prestige on the past. It just, it seems like a logical step forward to, to do this finally and and make the fans happy. I was just, you know, you talk about what the disconnect has been between, you know, the iron, the iron curtain between Cincinnati and Canton somewhere, somewhere on, uh, on that highway, somewhere on I-71. Probably by you, Jay. There's something blocking where nobody can get in. And you wonder what the disconnect is. I ran those numbers out in, in the story. You look at every team. If you throw out the post-90s expansion teams, and, and you look at every franchise that's been around for at least 30 years. Almost all of them have double-digit players in the Hall of Fame. Everybody has at least four. Most have double digits. The Bengals have one. It's insane. It is impossible for a team to be around 50-plus years, have won 10 division titles, been to two Super Bowls, won 360-whatever games, and have one player worthy of the Hall of Fame. It, it speaks to the fact that there's a bigger disconnect. Well... Anybody that listens to this podcast knows that if you want to listen to me rant for an hour and a half, bring up the Hall of Fame voting process. I won't do that. You can just go listen to the old podcast. I, li- I had to look up which one it was, Jay. It was uh, myself when I I had I did the podcast with with Jeff Hobson, and we because he is he is a voter. He is the voter from the Cincinnati rep. Um, and we talked about the problems with the voting process and how what that has done for leaving Bengals out. That's part of it. I think that is a bigger part of it than the Bengals honoring their own. But that, but both sides play a role. The Bengals honoring their own. The Bengals speaking up about their own. You know, guys aren't gonna. You know, Willie Anderson I talked to after he had kind of nudged himself on nudge on Twitter. And he said, guys are not going to speak up for themselves. He goes, that's why I'm doing all this social media stuff. You know, he did his thing on Instagram Live with him and Willie, him and Andrew Whitworth. He's like, we have to talk about this stuff or else people will forget that we did it. And Andrew is, is going to be the next. 
He's going to be the next fringe Bengal case. And whenever A.J. Green retires, whenever Geno Atkins retires, they're going to be the next. They are. They're fringe cases. And they're going to be the next. Are they going to be the next Ken Riley's? The next Kenny Anderson's? The next Chad Johnson's? The next Corey Dillon? The next Max Montoya? I mean, unless the Bengals promote their own and push those agendas the right way and the voting process gets some reform, they probably will, they could very easily end up just like all those other guys on the outside looking in and never have a chance to get their moment. And that's what this is about to me. It's like, look, not everybody can get into Canton. It's a Hall of Fame. I mean, it's, that's, but that doesn't mean these, these players weren't important to you as a franchise to forming your franchise and don't deserve to get honored for that, to be able to give their speech, thank their friends, have their weekend where they drink beer and tell lies and have a great time and everybody, you know, honors their career for what it was, what it meant to Cincinnati. To not give them that because whatever reason is still out there is a failure, is an organizational failure. That's all there is to it because it's too easy and it's important to create that sense of community and honoring of your former players because the current players see that. William Anderson said that. He's like, that is a big freaking deal. He must have said that 20 times, getting into a team's ring of honor. Other teams talk about players, talk about that all the time. It is a big deal. And it's just as big a deal for them as it is getting into the real Hall of Fame. And to think that when you're a franchise where one of your biggest black clouds is that you can't get into the real Hall of Fame, you won't even give your guys a chance to have that big deal? It's crazy, and it's and it's not paying attention to what's really important. That's all. That's that's the biggest thing about it. Yeah, I mean, compare it to we're kind of in graduation season, even though people aren't doing regular graduation ceremonies. But it's like like the Hall of Fame is the the valedictorian, but a team ring of honor is is like that that top ten percent, the 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 ones that get to wear the gold robes. That's still a big deal. That's still a heck of an accomplishment, and and people do see that as as worthy of celebration, not just fans, but, but players. And I, I, I do think that it, we, we, we always talk about when you talk about the ring of honor, about making the fans happy, but you're right. That would be, it, it would, it would make the current employees, the current players happy to, to see something move in that direction. I don't know how many of the current players are even familiar with, you know, like Andy Dalton knew Ken Anderson, but, you know, most of these guys probably don't even know who Ken Riley was. And that's a shame right there that you would think that playing for an organization, you would – obviously these guys aren't going to know NFL history across all teams, all cities. But when you play for an organization, that, that should be one of the main things that, that you honor the past. And the Bengals do have – you know Paul Brown sayings up in the in the meeting rooms and and that type of thing, but there's there's not a whole lot of mention of, of former players. And Zach kind of brought that when when they redid the locker room. When you walk in that tunnel, go past the um, lunchroom into the locker room. There's that giant mural of Isaac Curtis. So steps are going in that direction, but they're, they're baby steps, and it it would it would make a big difference for these players to to just have that hanging out there as as a possibility it's it's really about 
it all comes back to a, really a blind spot for the organization, and that is creating a sense of community. That is between fans and the organization, the organization and former players, former players and current players, all together f- creating a real sense of pride and community around the Bengals. Previously, that has been based around winning. When they win, they, the idea is when you win, everybody comes back, and that should be enough. you got to do more than that. Organizations today, franchises today, the bar is so much higher than that. It just is. People have higher expectations of their teams. They have higher expect because it's they have higher expectations about how everything should be executed. And because you've seen it so much success and that uh, so many franchises across all sports have had with different things and the impact that they can have and. A big part of that is creating a sense of community around your team, and it's a big part of why that stadium is empty when they don't win. It's because you don't have just it. look across. Just look across the street. the 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 Reds haven't won in forever, but Reds Fest is a huge success, and a big part of that is because you have all the the past greats coming together with all of the current players, and and they they have that sense of community. There there is that genuine kinship and and that common thread of they're they're all part of the same family. And that's another thing that the Ring of Honor gets so much attention, but but the Bengals really should consider putting on one of those type of events too, a fan fest, a Bengals fest, whatever you want to call it, do that right about this time of year, right before the players break for their summer vacation. And it, it's kind of a slow period in sports. Anyhow, um, I, I just, I think that would really go a long way, even maybe even go farther than a ring of honor in, in reaching out to fans and former players. I would agree. They do. I mean, they, they have taste of the NFL that they do is sort of like a smaller version. Of that. And I can't tell you how many fans I talk to that have gone to that thing and say how great it is to be able to just go around, say hello to players that are around. They get their autographs signed, this, that, and the other. If you, There's no reason you couldn't turn taste of the NFL into something far bigger and far more inclusive. They still have almost like the current taste of the NFL be a VIP corner of a bigger event. You know, where you had former players back and you had current players involved in autograph areas and, you know, big, you know, all selling all kinds of merchandise and introductions and, you know, whatever you want to do, highlight videos, give out some awards, whatever. You know, it's not that hard to do. And you're, you're already, you're right. This is the time of year where you're already kind of set up for that and you can sell season tickets and all the stuff you want to do. But alas, no, that's not where they're at right now. And we'll, but the the point is, we'll see what happens going forward. Um, but you're right, though. It is. Uh, it's 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 just a it's it's a shame that all these great things are being said by Ken Riley now, and not a chance to say them to him in person or let him say some of them. Some people say that to him in person when he came for a big weekend here, and then thank them. But. Just sad. Um, well, hey, let's let's say that they they do come up with a ring of honor, and the the inaugural induction class is five people, and I think everybody would kind of there's there's kind of that that Mount Rushmore of Anthony Munoz, Ken Anderson, Ken Riley, Paul Brown. Uh, who who would in your mind would be the the best fifth person to make part of that very first class? Yeah. So we I we did this exact thing uh, about five years ago 
four years ago, maybe, um, we did our mythical ring of honor. And this conversation was the most interesting one was who's that last guy? Because you have, and I talked to a lot of different people for it and you can make a lot of different arguments for who a fifth would be. First of all, I would probably have to make their first class bigger even, but, uh, Kenny Anthony, you know, there's Boomer, there's Chad, Ken Riley, you know, for putting him in. Lap sure. is in that conversation for what he means to the org has meant to the organization. Um, as player and announcer, I think you you've got to consider him which I don't see enough people bring up. We did Chad. And the reason we did Chad was for what he meant to bringing the Bengals out of the 90s and making them cool again on top of being a great player. And that was the the tiebreaker for us. Um, so I, I would probably put Chad in there, but, you know, You've got a boomers in that conversation really close too. I think, and I think we may have even. I think we had Boomer over Ken Riley even, but it was a, there was a lot of debate around the, the back end of those. I, I would argue for Isaac Curtis, just what what he yeah. was back at, and and I think if you look at it through the Ken Riley lens, you know I don't I don't want to put anybody on their deathbed, but these these older guys. Are, are not getting any younger and you never you don't want them to you know you put it off a year and then and then they miss out on that moment and really if you're if you're starting from scratch it, it just kind of makes sense to to get some of the older guys in first and then start working your way through chronologically I would agree that that Chad probably means more but then again you know what his personality is um if it's if it's if this is about these guys getting their moment he's he's going to overshadow um th- those guys the, the other guys in that class. So I don't know. I just, because I, I started coming up with other names too, you know, Max Montoya, Reggie Williams, what he meant. Um, Trumpy was one of the original Bengals and he was a really good pass catching tight end before they were, they were a big part of the NFL. So yeah, it would, it would be an interesting debate. You're probably right. Don't stick, don't stop at five, make it 10. If you're, if you're going to, if you're going to do it, go big right off the bat. Yeah, I mean, who if 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 you were, I mean, that would be a whole other thing, and that'd be another part. That's another part of this conversation is if they were going to do this, how would they institute it? Would it be like a Hall of Fame? Would there be a class of selectors? You know, I think I think you have, I think you have some. Uh, you could put together a nice group of ten to twelve people that would take it very very seriously. Some inside the organization, some outside, maybe. Um, that would take it very seriously uh, in the, in that selection process, you know. Put in put in four or five right off the jump, and and go from there. I, I'm with you. Uh, it's a fun it's a fun conversation. And there are fun debates to have too, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I I think part of it inside there, there's a discomfort in ranking players against each other, you know. Like I, I don't know how much people want to do that. That's why if I were partially almost if if i were the family you maybe even take themselves out of it you know leave it to the selectors type of thing you know where you're you're not it's not it's not the organization 
making these decisions, you know, where you don't not hang that on them. You know, I don't know. Lots of interesting conversations about that. Um, I want to take a quick, quick break uh, and remind everybody to not smell. Yeah, that's right. Don't smell. It is important to smell good. Hawthorne can help you. Hawthorne cologne is easy. Look, you can give it for Father's Day, and it's the way to get the perfect cologne to that guy in your life, whether he smells or not. You can take a little quiz, and you, they will tell you what is the perfect scent for you or for the person that you're buying it for. Um, you just take a, it's a quick two-minute quiz. Hawthorne tells you your two colognes are best for you. One for work, one for play. It's risk-free. Free shipping, free returns. To do it, just check out Hawthorne at Hawthorne.co. That's Hawthorne with an E and .co, not .com. Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. It's Hawthorne.co. And use my promo code ATHLETIC to get 10% off your first purchase. Hawthorne.co. All right, uh, let's take a, a run here at a couple of mailbag questions, and then we will get out of here. So I got a mailbag coming this week. Thanks to everybody that has sent in some questions. I'm going to answer some of them in the stories uh, on the site, but I wanted to grab just take a small smattering of a few here, and eh, just something that, some that are a little more fun. Um, there was a run passer boot involved, so I figured we got to start with that. We love when people give us run passer boots. So you can always send them to us on Twitter. You can email me, P Daner, D E H N E R, at theathletic.com. Um, or drop anything in the comment of any story. We'll, we'll, we'll see those. Um, we love run passer boots. So this is the one. It is from William J. He says, Paul, I think most Bengals fans will agree the helmet is gold, Jerry Gold. God bless you. So start off with a Seinfeld reference straight to my heart. I also think most fans would love to see the unis tinkered with in some capacity. Including an okay but not great B. I won't get too into the weeds, but overall simplification would do wonders to the unis and the B font needs a soft touch, perhaps a tiger revert. Finally, I think most would love to see the white helmet, black stripes helmet with a great color rush unis. So long story short, with possible multi-helmet rule coming and a seemingly more of the same look 2020, run past her boot for 2021. White color rush helmets? Small alterations to uniforms, logo change. Stay well during this booze cruise of a 2020. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, by the way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what do you run past your boot, Jay? Uh, white color rush helmets for 2021. Small alterations to the uniform or a logo change. Uh, I, I'm running all day with the, the white color rush helmets. I love those. And uh, I wouldn't have a problem if they wore those as their standard helmet, even not in color rush games. Um, so definitely run with that. Um, I'll pass on the logo. Um, I would. I do think that because it's it's branded on a bunch of other things, and it, it has a presence not on game day. Uh, it would have more of an impact. The the un like a slight a slight tweak tweak to the uniform. Uh, just not too interested in that. If, if you're going to do something new, uh, do it bold, but don't screw it up. 
and uh, I'll, I'll boot that. I'll I'll boot boot the the color change on the the uniform and a pass on logo. Um, I do think that would be interesting. I, it not even necessarily a revert to the tiger. Just come up with something completely new and fresh logo wise. Yeah, I I like the current helmets. Now, if they give you an option for a uh, alternate helmet, if they if they change the current rules, because currently you cannot do that, you cannot have a second helmet. There's player safety stuff involved with that. If they were to change the rules and give you two helmets, so you could have an alternate, yeah, I'm all for the white color rush, a white color rush helmet to match the color rush jerseys. I do. Everybody's in agreement. I think that that would look great. Um, but I don't know that that's going to happen. So I I would probably lean towards more of a logo change. I don't know. The B, eh, it's a litter. You know, give me an animal. Like, I'm all about an animal. There should be more animals, less letters. I would say that. So I, I, I would lean towards logo change. Yeah, I agree. Small alteration, like, what's the point? If you're just tweaking, I don't. Their their uniforms aren't in a need of a tweaking. It's like you're either doing something to look different or just leave it. You know. So I'm, I, I I would I would say that's where we fall on that. Um, it's a good starter. Good starter. I had a good Joe Burrow question here. Joe Burrow famously, uh, this is from Tom K. Joe Burrow famously said he's not a fan of Skyline Chili, which we haven't gone back to with him yet. But he didn't say he wasn't a fan of Cincinnati Chili. If Joe signed an endorsement with Gold Star Chili, would Cincinnatians love him or hate him for choosing the other chili? Um, I, I think they would love him for embracing Cincinnati Chili. I don't, I don't know. It's, I like both. I, I think most people like both. Uh, people have a preference. No. You can't say one's good and the other's terrible. They're they are yes, they're they're not that far <laughs> apart. No, you can't. And I do prefer Gold Star. I, I it's a little thicker. Um, it, it's always been oh, my God. It's always been my favorite. But I will you never prefer Gold Star. I will never turn down Skyline. I I love Skyline too. It's like a it's like a ten versus a nine point eight. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't think anybody would hold it against Joe Burrow. It's not like Skyline is the official chili of Cincinnati. It's it's Cincinnati chili. and there's other ones too. Um I just I think people would would be happy to see him embrace the the food, not not the name on the food. Skyline is the official chili of Cincinnati and you, sir, are ridiculous and should be kicked off of this podcast right now. It's not. Do, what, how what, do not recognize Gold Star as in? The, I'm just not. I'm not going to go there. Let's just say this. I'll just say this. The one thing they are is the official chili of the Cincinnati Bengals. True. So, Joe, the fact that Gold Star hasn't already made a full push to try to pull this off is really an indictment on them as a company and an organization. Maybe they have. Maybe Joe's like, I can't endorse something that I don't enjoy. It'll, he'll have to be here for a while. It, it is kind of an acquired taste. Uh, and he'll grow. No, he can sit there and eat the double. They, they sell the fact that 
that they'd make other stuff besides the chili. They're all about their double deckers anyway because their chili's no good. So they're like, well, so you might as well just have Joe eating one of these double deckers or something like that. Of course, Joe still hasn't signed his contract with the Bengals yet. Like most haven't. Most players have not yet. Uh, but I'm just saying, indictment on Gold Star. I think Cincinnati fans would still love him because there is nothing this dude can do wrong. You know what? It might be the one thing Gold Star needs to get some legitimacy and not have people rip on them because Joe Burrow is, at this current moment, as universally uh, loved as anybody in the entire city, and he doesn't even he's not even here yet. People don't rip on Gold. You rip on Gold Star, but most people don't. That buffet at halftime. If, if you would like to comment on Jay Morrison's take, that's at Jay Morrison. <laughs> Just feel free to holler your thoughts to Jay on Twitter um, if you if you decide that uh, you do rip on Goldstar. If you do rip on Goldstar, I want to hear from you. Please feel free to enter in this debate. Thank you, Tom K. I appreciate that question. Um. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, someone, uh, Nicholas S., asked me, how did the segment column this week in Bengals first start? I appreciate your interest in my business, Nicholas. Thank you. Uh, this week in Bengals started when I came to The Athletic. Now, it previously existed at The Inquirer as the walkthrough, but that was in-season... Uh, a daily blog, and that was a lot of work. <laughs> Doing a daily uh, Bengals smorgasbord was uh, a lot of work when you're trying to do other stuff. I always thought that it would work better as a bit as a one once a week. Throw everything together, hold back a bunch of stuff, you know, get a bunch of things together that all can go into one place and for us here you know, we do a lot more of the deep dives we're not as do we don't do as much of the daily everyday news it's a good way to get all of that stuff in somewhere so yeah in season in particular is when it focuses but that's that's kind of uh, where it started from is just to have a home for all that stuff i was and curious for, were you a were you a this week in baseball fan growing up was that still I even was. around when you were? Oh, yeah. Because that was Twib called Twib. Notes, baby. Yeah. I know. That's why That's why I was like, I, you know, I, I love acronyms for those types of things. And to call it Twib, I always hear the music playing in the background for me every time that I, you know, that's, it's always in my head whenever I say it. I, as long as I call, as many times as I would call This Week in Bengals Twib, I still can't say it without not, you know, hearing Mel Allen, you know. Uh, so we've got one more I wanted to get to. Another question about Larry Warford or Jason Peters about the realistic nature of that. Those guys are still kind of hanging out there. Um, Peters, I, I do not see in the mix. Larry Warford is in the mix. Um, it makes all the sense in the world. Um, you net, but you now have you know the Eagles just lost Brandon Brooks. You know, other teams might get involved. Warford is at the point where he could probably sit back and wait and see that for a t wait for a team that he wants to go to that needs him. Um, 
I think everybody's kind of playing the waiting game on that right now. It makes a lot of sense for the Bengals to be pretty involved. I know that much. Um, but it's a matter of how they how they would make it all work. Um, so we we shall see what happens there. That's that's kind of my take on that. But I mean, you you certainly would feel a lot better about this offensive line if Larry Warford were here rather than if he wasn't. Yeah, but the whole the whole thing he's going to have choices. He's going to have options, and it, I, for him to come to a, a two and fourteen team, uh, Joe Burrow makes a big difference. But for him to come to a, this organization, coming off a two and fourteen year, the Bengals are going to have to really jump in both feet and and outbid everybody and, and make him an offer he can't refuse. And I just I don't see him doing that. It feels like it's more of a if we can get him at the right price type of interest. How many options does he have? He's still sitting there. Yeah, but it's because nobody can had... work him out. You know, if you can't yeah, if you I can't guess. go somewhere and work out, and I just think everybody's kind of there's a lot of guys that that didn't go in that initial wave of free agency that are that are good players that are going to sign somewhere, and everybody's just kind of waiting this thing out to see when they're actually going to start and when they can actually have people in their building to to get a physical and and go through all the other things that happen when when you sign a guy. Yep, Draker Patrick and Darquez Denard still out there. Mm-hmm. Um, Logan some, Ryan. Some, some of those, Logan Ryan, some of those in that. That's Jadavian Clowney, but he's out, <laughs> he's out there for different reasons. He's still out there trying to make 15, 20 mil. Um, and maybe maybe he does. Who knows? But uh, so that's, that's kind of a little look. I'll have more uh, of some other questions. Thanks to everybody that sent in questions. Um, I will have some more of those in the mailbag that posts this week. Outside of that, we'll be back next week. Maybe maybe there'll be more going on. It's it's just that time of year, you know. We've got some other stuff that'll be coming your way, but for now, we can sign out. Unless Jay, you have you want to, you know, shout out anybody or take your shirt off or something. No, shirt's staying on today. I mowed I mowed the yard last night. That's another good time to take the shirt off. So you're a, you're a shirtless mower. Sometimes, if it's super hot and it just gets soaking wet, anyhow, you might as well just take it off. And like I said, this is Hamilton. It's no shoes, no shirt, no shoes. That's you don't see those signs around here too often. Yeah. <laughs> how long How long does it take you to mow your grass? Well, normally about an hour. Uh, yesterday, I did the double cut where I cut it on the highest setting and then I went crisscross the opposite direction. Um, oh, uh, with wow. the next lowest. Yeah. So, and I've got some like really thin strips where it takes forever to go the opposite direction because you're just going forward and back, forward and back, forward. It took about close to three hours to do it last night, but. Whoa. Yeah. Nor- normally one hour. It's all push mower. I, I don't have a riding mower. Perhaps you should get a riding mower. Uh, I don't know. I like it. I enjoy it. It's a little bit of exercise it's I get away. these days. Yes. Yeah. You know what? If you're out there for three hours, take that shirt off. But I, my question is, really, the question is this, is how long do you have to be mowing your grass to where it's acceptable to take your shirt off? Because, like, it does. It takes me – I mean, it takes me five minutes to do my front yard. My backyard's a little longer. Like, maybe 20 minutes for me to do the whole thing. So, not – I would feel uncomfortable taking my shirt off for 20 minutes of walking, no matter the heat. But what is that time? What is that period? Or is there none? Yeah, I, I would say 30 minutes is a good gauge. 
But really, I, I don't think I've ever taken it off mid-cut. It's either like, this is going to be a hot one, I'm, I'm starting with it off, or you just leave it on and, and let it drip the whole time. Um, you don't do the dramatic mid-cut sweaty takeoff of a shirt for the whole neighborhood to see? Toss it violently onto the driveway? I do not. I think I think my neighbors are probably more amused most of the time. I, I, lately, I've been listening to podcasts when I mow, uh, but usually I'm listening to some pretty hard rock, and I have no shame in in pumping my fist and and singing along. And I'm I'm sure my neighbors probably <laughs> watch me and like, look at this guy rocking out, cutting his yard. And now I used to, when I was a kid, I used to listen to hip hop when I would uh, mow the grass and stuff when I was younger, and I was like a straight like dancing while mowing type stuff i mean i was my neighbors my neighbors definitely were watching and laughing and uh, enjoying the show i know that much uh all right well hey that's another good thing if you want to weigh in on that we've got so we've got the gold star thing if you've got Bengals questions we want to know the exact amount of time you think it is socially acceptable that it should take you to mow your grass where you pull this shirt off five, five minute shirtless routine i don't know that i'm buying that but what is that number? Yeah, we want to hear from you. Shout us out. Hit us up on Twitter. Uh, or drop anything in the comments. You can drop comments in the podcast now, which is pretty awesome. So you can always do that, too. Uh, anyway, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will, uh, we will talk to you next week on Hear That Podcast Ground. Have a good one, everybody.